Hello everybody and welcome back to Football in a Nutshell for I believe the first time in the last three weeks or so. And if you're wondering why I haven't done one in so long, it's because basically I was away on holidays over the Halloween, I was off in America. And uh, yeah, so therefore I wasn't able to do one and then I wasn't sure of the direction I want to take this podcast in at this stage. Because at this stage, uh, believe it or not, I'm actually starting to get a lot more views than before over the course of my 12, 13 podcasts. I'm not sure exactly how many I've done. But now I'm up to like 77 total plays, whereas before I stopped, it was hovering around the 50s, 40s, I think. So yeah, it's really starting to pick up in popularity for whatever reason. And uh, yeah, it's I now have two... Uh, I have two podcasts with over 10 plays and um, a few a few are, are hovering around the like 6 to 8 range which was previously my best so it is getting a lot better but I still have not established any sort of regularity to it the football in a nutshell the podcast which was every week originally it was like a whole football thing but it then just evolved into a purely Premier League thing, thing. so uh, yeah that um that idea slowed down and um, so basically I'm starting a new podcast this week which is going to be called Blue is the Colour obviously a reference to it. so it's going to be purely Chelsea themed as despite me mentioning in pretty much every single podcast that I am indeed a Chelsea fan I've never really done anything purely Chelsea based so this is going to be the start of that with the first uh, Blue is the Colour podcast uh, I'm going to be basically just the biggest topics surrounding Chelsea. I'm going to be like just discussing them, giving my opinion on it, and just all that stuff. The reason I started it is because I was looking at this um, on YouTube, basically, and there was this uh, podcast, not, not a podcast, but kind of videos called uh, Blues TV or something along those lines. And uh, despite it being fairly terrible, and uh, I, in my humble opinion, I think I could do a lot better than that. <laughs> it was getting a lot of views based on the fact that it was purely Chelsea based. So if you want to actually have a good Chelsea uh, podcast, here is your option, uh, in my humble opinion. This should be very good. So another thing I would like to quickly mention is this is a Chelsea based podcast, this one. And uh, the other thing that I have done actually a bit of, a lot of in the past is Ireland based. So if you'd like, like an Ireland football based podcast, uh, around how Ireland doing Irish players performing our best squads are going Mick McCarthy all that stuff to trade places every other week with football in a nutshell if you want to do that as well uh, not, not as well as blues the colour uh, please let me know if you want me to do both and uh, another one should be three weeks so I may not be able to do that especially considering I haven't done one in like three weeks but please do let me know as well and uh, yeah without further ado I'm going to get into the main topic of discussion today which is are we uh, in Chelsea title contenders this year it's a question that's been banded about basically because we are currently sitting now this now the City Liverpool game is done we're now sitting in third place in the league level on points with Leicester the team ahead of us and looking very good um, in terms of our, we've won six on the bounce, I believe, which is more than any other team in the league. And it is begging the question: Are we are we going to be title contenders this season? I think nobody saw coming at the start of the year. Um, 
A lot of people said we finished outside the top six. I myself said six conservatively, although I would, did think we would be better off than most people thought. And then, yeah, so now we're in a great run of form. And uh, to answer the question, do I think Chelsea can compete for the Premier League title this year? And the answer is no. Um, this season, the first half of the season anyways, at the start of the year, I broke it down into three sections. The first six games, like learning about Frank Lampard, in my opinion, always the Premier League table only means anything. Anything. It doesn't mean anything until the sixth game of the year. Uh, that's when you really start seeing because most teams will play the mix of like low and small and big teams and uh, all that over the first six games. We'll really start to see it coming together. And uh, in that time, getting to know a bit more about Frank Lampard and the Chelsea youth, Chelsea got two wins, two losses and two draws in that time we played two top six teams and we also played Leicester in that time so in my opinion it was a pretty difficult opening for Frank Lampard and I think we performed <sighs> we, we performed okay I'd say is the best way I can describe it in that opening period but the middle six games which is what we've just experienced which is the six um, wins on the bounce was teams I, I honestly believe are all bottom half teams first we played Brighton Southampton then I believe after the international break was it oh. basically the teams I'm not exactly 100% sure of the order it was Crystal Palace Brighton Southampton Newcastle Burnley and Watford and uh, in my opinion this was always going to be the period of six games where we would really see how Chelsea are going to shape up to be and we won all six games some of them in very convincing fashion particularly the Southampton game and yeah, I said at the beginning, I believe, I said we dropped between three and five points. And uh, we got all we got all points, um, which is, it was absolutely brilliant. And uh, yeah, but now we're moving into the last seven games of like the start where we play every single team. I believe Southampton, we actually do play a second time before we play Arsenal. But uh, I'm gonna exclude that for the minute for the sake of this. So this seven game period, it's, it's like the first uh, six games. It's getting back into hard games. We play three top six teams in Manchester City, Arsenal and Tottenham. And then on top of that, we play Bournemouth, which have been a f- famous bogey team for Chelsea. I believe at the Vitality last year, we lost 4-0. The year before was 3-0 under content starting respectively. So they're going to be a very tough game for Chelsea. West Ham and Everton, who are teams that, yes, not on the best run of form. But will would you you would expect to pose a challenge? Definitely, West Ham have proven a challenge in the past, in the recent uh, past uh, for Chelsea. And uh, the last one is Aston Villa, who, while I don't pr- particularly rate, yeah, I cannot deny that at the start of the season, and if you look at the games that they've played at the start of the season against the big teams. You look at Tottenham, put up a very good challenge against them. Liverpool, very good challenge again. Arsenal, a very good challenge again. And the first half against City were also very competitive. So against the top six teams, Dean Smith seems to have them playing the game. So that could be a challenge as well for Aston Villa. And, uh, well, for us, sorry. (laughs) For Aston Villa, well, it will be for Aston Villa, but... You know what I mean, and um, yeah, I think this is really what we're gonna, we're gonna see uh, Chelsea 
what's our truly made of if we go on a bad run of form, which you would expect over the course of the year with such a young squad to go on a bit of a bad run of form at one stage or another. But for me, they're competing for the title this year. It seems a bit premature, especially because of Champions League. Without Champions League football, maybe if Liverpool, I mean Liverpool have been just, they've just been, I've, I don't want to draw on too much, but they've got all the luck at the start of the year. And when you get all the luck at the start of the year, and uh, you look their own, they've been on eight points clear of us, I believe, at the minute. And uh, yeah, I don't think there's a world in which Chelsea can jump. Uh, that, uh, that game today, actually, um, between Liverpool and Manchester City, that was, if I would have said if um, Liverpool had uh, lost, <coughs> if Liverpool had lost or uh, drawn, then maybe you could have seen us coming in, but as it stands, I don't think we're going to be challenging for this title, but um, I'm not too concerned about that, if I'm being honest. I think Frank Lampard, no one would have expected that of him uh, coming into the season, and I believe we're nine points clear it could be eight points clear next to Sheffield United. We're nine or eight points clear. or nine points clear of Arsenal anyways. I think we might be eight points clear in the top four as of right now. And uh, yeah, it's a very good. All I want from this season is top four. And to get the young players in, which we've already done. And you never know, a Champions League run. It could happen. Probably won't, I wouldn't say. But uh, yeah, this season, I'm just enjoying watching Chelsea play football. And even if we're not going to challenge for the title, which I don't expect us to do, I'm still very happy. But the next topic, well, for a fairly quick transition there, I'm not sure what I was doing there. But basically, the next topic that I want to talk about is Callum Hudson-Odoi. And because Callum Hudson-Odoi recently, they, Frank Lampard seems to have uh, found his preferred winner's par- uh, partnership. And it doesn't involve Callum Hudson-Odoi in it, which is very surprising considering he was supposed to be well, the future of uh, he was supposed to be the future of Chelsea um, coming into the season. Big bumper contract coming back from injury, and yeah, he cannot get a kick. Uh, well, he can get a kick, but he can't get a start for Chelsea at the minute because against Burnley uh, three weeks ago, I believe it was. Uh, Pulisic came in to make his, I think it was his, uh, I'll check it up, I think it was either his third or his uh, second or his third, second or third uh, start of the season for Chelsea against Burnley, um, having got, done well off the bench in a few um, in a few games, and yeah, in the, I believe, uh, first, oh it was his uh, fourth start actually, uh, in that game. He made his fourth start for Chelsea of the season and he came, went in and scored a hat-trick. The next week, obviously, Frank Lampard couldn't drop him after that. And, uh, yeah, he scored again. He scored again against Watford. And, uh, yes, uh, after that, uh, this week, uh, he scored again against Crystal Palace. Meaning that Callum Hudson-Odoi, having come in and done so well against... I was off the bench against Brighton. He got an assist, and he got an assist when he started against Southampton, and again against Newcastle. It was man of the match against Newcastle, by all accounts. And um, yeah, now he just kind of seemed to get into the steam. 
And uh, how does Hudson and how does who are Frank Lampard's two best wingers? In my opinion, well, it might be seen as a bit of a controversial opinion, but Willian has to start in this Chelsea team right now. Um, for me, Willian in such a young team provides so much experience, and um, experience is one thing, but he has. So, so I think it's important to get it into the team. But if William wasn't playing well, I wouldn't be calling for whatsoever. But he's on two goals and three assists in the Premier League this season. I think he was man of the match against Crystal Palace yesterday. Uh, man of the match in a few other games for me. I think he's been very, very strong at the start of, this, uh, start of the season. In Champions League as well, you know, that goal against Lille. And yeah, for me, William has to be the first winger on the team sheet because of that... Um, because of that, uh, well, both first the creativity, the goal scoring, and the leadership, I think it means that uh, he has to start for me in this Chelsea team as of right now. And uh, Hudson Odoi on current form against Pulisic, it doesn't match up. But the main concern I think for Hudson Odoi is um, the the next point that I actually want to get onto is Kante returning from injury now. Obviously, as a Chelsea fan, this is going to be a very positive thing for Chelsea having their best player coming back from injury after he's been on and off hot and cold. As well, not hot and cold. Has been about his form. It's been about his fitness side of the year, and he has been in and out of the team because he has been injured quite a bit. But um, now that he is in, and Jorginho and Kovacic have done so well, how does Frank Lampard? pick a double pivot in uh, midfield to keep this 4-2-3-1 when Kovacic and Jorginho have been doing so well uh, to playing together but uh, Frank Lampard has to uh, has to start Kante there's no denying it and then so then there's obviously the thing that they change formation to the 4-2-3-1 I mean not to the 4-2 from the 4-2-3-1 to the 4-3-3 and have all three of them there in midfield Similarly to um, similarly to Liverpool uh, in the 4-3-3 that Jurgen Klopp plays, uh, in my opinion, a midfield three of Kante, Kovacic and Jorginho is a lot stronger than Henderson, Wijnaldum and Fabinho. Could be seen as quite a controversial opinion, but for me it is both based on current form and uh, age, quality, all the rest. Uh, but... Like then it comes the case of not playing a centre attacking mid when Chelsea have Ross. Well, Ross Barkley is still there, but to him, uh, but in particular Ruben Loftus Cheek and Mason Mount. So what happens to them? Do they become backup, like fourth and fifth choice midfielders uh, for Chelsea in, in centre mid, or do? But the thing is, both of them can play at left wing. And if they're moving up into the wing positions, that creates all more more, uh, problems for Callum Hudson-Odoi to get into this Chelsea team, which I believe he can, but um, yeah, I'm not sure his immediate future, what it is at Chelsea, because yeah, at times this season, Callum Hudson-Odoi has been exceptional, particularly the game against Southampton is the one I'd uh, pinpoint most his first start in the league season. And yeah, uh, it's just been, it's disappointing to see that uh, maybe he won't be getting into the 
this team because um, the truth is Frank Lampard has a surplus of talent at the Chelsea team and I know it's good for rotation but in order to keep this uh, this moral up the, this uh, high these high morals up at um, at uh, Chelsea right now which we are seeing and you could argue is one of the main reason we've done so well at the start of this campaign how is he going to keep that up while trying to accommodate all these different players and it is interesting what would I do in this situation I'd keep Willian and uh, Pulisic as my starting two wingers the 4-3-3 it's it's an option uh, because uh, because that midfield three would be so good but I think also the depth would be a problem in that regard. But I think I'd probably... The creativity as well, I'm not sure. Another thing which... Actually, come to think of it, this links quite nicely into my next point, which is going to be about the defence. What is the, the story with the Chelsea defence as of right now? Because we are shipping, we are still shipping so many goals. Um, and... Uh, yeah, would a midfield three of Kante Kovacic and Jorginho provide more defensive stability? Which is a thing this Chelsea team desperately needs. In terms of expected goals and all the different like shot stats, everything. I believe we're about first or second in the league in most categories. Against Crystal Palace, I'm not exactly 100% sure, but I believe it was 3.59 expected goals. Uh, the stat was on match of the day and it was to that point... 2-3, which, or something like that. If I've got that exactly right, I'm going to be so happy with myself. But it was around that, and um, you could argue in that sense we don't need any more defensive stability, but I think the game against Ajax shows otherwise. So would we continue that attacking form if we st- if we were playing with them? I suppose Reese James coming into the team at right-back. I'm, I'm just fully going into that, but... Um, for me, formationally, Frank Lampard is always very versatile. We've seen three at the back, we've seen 4-3-3, we've seen 4-2-3-1 all this year. And I think maybe not having the uh, exact combination, but for the big game against City, I suppose the best way you can look at it, I would play the 4-3-3 with Kante, Kovacic and Jorginho for that extra stability and to try win that midfield battle and really break City down. Because in my opinion... That's where it was won and lost again for uh, City today. And I don't think they played pretty bad. Obviously, the decisions. Classic Liverpool, all the luck. Paid off refs. Uh, there's no time to explore that rabbit hole. But I think we could, if we could really win that battle in midfield, like Fabinho and Aldum and Henderson did today, potentially it could lead to some success. And that game, no one's ex- really expecting us to... Uh, in that game, so you could see it as a bit of a free shot, but um, it's a game I desperately want to win. Not m- most because I know a few uh, City fans, and uh, yeah, I'd really like to get that over them. And um, but yeah, mostly because of where it sets us up in the to go. If you're to win that game or even draw it, but mostly I'm talking to win. To go four points ahead of Manchester City after 13 games of the league would be absolutely immense for Chelsea and something no one would have saw coming at the start of the year where most people did predict City to win. But then again, I think this has been a very 
surprising Premier League campaign. One of the more uh, interesting ones to, as, uh, to watch in terms of entertainment value. Although, I'd say as the season progresses, you may see that decrease because of... Uh, because of uh, the one-horse race factor, which could kick in for Liverpool, as they are playing so well. But yeah, <laughs> anyways, that's where I stand on the midfield. Against that, I would play the, that three midfield, but I'd continue to be versatile if I was Frank Lampard. And uh, yeah, which is probably his greatest strength as a manager. But moving on to the defence, because for all how well we're, we've been playing this season, and it has been mostly good, and uh, the defence is still such an issue. I'm still in the Crystal Palace game because we were very solid against Crystal Palace. We conceded a stupid goal against Watford which nearly brought them back into the game and to be honest Ben Foster could have scored at the very end to uh, make it uh, a draw in that game which they would have never deserved. Before that we conceded two late goals again to Burnley and um, yeah in the in the uh, Carabao Cup we conceded two goals to Marcus Rashford and Manchester United, and uh, well, um, two two goals to Manchester United. Oh, my brain is just not working here. It's been so long since I did one of these podcasts, but uh, and uh, four goals to Ajax at home, which is the main dampener. And um, the interesting thing about this whole thing is everyone, for the most part. Everyone is saying about how well Zuma and Tomori are playing. And uh, yeah, Aspilicueta and Max Alonso, when they were there, um, there is a few question marks undeniably, especially Max Alonso. I'm so much happier than Emerson back in the team. In my opinion, a lot of people that have been saying that uh, Emerson, is, um, Emerson is very replaceable and that Chelsea should be looking at a left back in the winter window should our ban be overturned. In my opinion, that is just, just simply ludicrous. I think Emerson is an absolutely magnificent player for Chelsea. And, uh, yeah, if you look at the... Him and Reese James really do look like the future. But excluding the game against Crystal Palace, because we have had, like... They, that could have just been Crystal Palace didn't turn up that day. Um, and Reese James and Emerson, while they will be the future, there are still so many question marks about this Chelsea defence. And, um, yeah, how do I see this defence being, um, how do I see this defence, uh, oh, my, my brain is just not working today, sorry, but, uh, how do I see this defence, um, really coming together and, uh, becoming, becoming just solid again, because we are, for a team that most people are saying, our third, fourth best team in the league right now. We are conceding, and I think we're in the bottom five for goals conceded. Start this campaign. So, how do we do it? Is it the, is the solution the three-man midfield? And the first thing I'd like to say before I get into any further about the defence, Kante and Rudiger are, in my opinion, our two best players. Well, definitely were last year. Now that Hazard's gone, and last year's form, Kante and Rudiger are our best two players. At Chelsea, I think Rudiger is a phenomenal centre back. He has all the physical attributes you want. He's a, a leader, in my opinion. I think his positional awareness and everything else is very strong, as well as his playing out from the back. And I think him coming in, the question is who is his defensive partner? Um, 
Yeah, but before I answer those questions, uh, those two, obviously, that will help uh, reduce the amount of goals that we've seen. And you never know, if we have the back four of, say, Emerson, Reese James, Rudiger and Tamori, maybe that is all it will take in order for us to come on solid again with the double pivot in front of them. But yeah, in my opinion, it's just, it's the lack of individual performances that you can like put your finger on of why this defence isn't working. Because, but for me, most of the defenders are having good uh, seasons and <laughs> the analysis on this point, on the defence, is absolutely terrible. Because it just does, it just does confuse me. There's no other way of, uh, there's no other way of putting it. But uh, yeah, for me, how do I think we should uh, fix it? I think the three-man midfield will help, especially Kante coming back. And I think that Reese James Emerson, the Reese James's performance against Crystal Palace up against Wilfred, uh, one of the hardest uh, players to defend against in the league, in my opinion. A lot of people have said recently that Wilfred Zaha has overrated. In my opinion, he's a phenomenal player. Similarly to Hazard, doesn't didn't. Uh, turn up every single game but um, yeah he really did win that battle on the left hand flank I imagine Roy Hudson put him there not sure if he had him there to begin with but I could have definitely seen that uh, he was put out there to try and target the inexperience of Reese James and to win that battle was absolutely phenomenal and for all the attacking product that he does I believe he got a goal and two assists against Grimsby and against uh, Ajax, obviously got that goal and putting a few nice balls into the box. He's a defender first, like he's a classic defender first, and uh, I think that solid back four unit it can be very good. Uh, back three is another thing, <sighs> but um, the, I think the main thing uh, here's the personnel. Frank Lampard, once he gets the personnel, I think will improve. And now that Reese James is being kind of nurtured into the side, the per- and Emerson is back, and Rudiger, I'm not sure when he's back, but he'll be back soon enough. And to be fair, Zuma's been, uh, he's been very good at this, and uh, he's coming into his own now. But uh, yeah, I think now that he, if he gets the personnel right, I think that will improve. I don't think he's a terribly bad defence coach. And um, yeah, the, but the main things that you need to iron out are giving away silly free kicks, corners, needless stuff like that, because set pieces were terrible, and also get rid of zonal marking. And I think it is just those few things that uh, that could potentially Chelsea could uh, become a defensive unit again, which obviously I hope happens uh, because this team is just so full of potential and. Um, yeah, so as for my team against City, who I'd play, I'd play the same the same back four that we have been playing because I don't think Rudiger's going to be back. Kepa in goals, he picks himself. Another, actually, and that's another thing about the defence. I think Kepa, uh, at the start of the season, I think yeah, he could definitely t- put into question how he's played. He's made some massive stops. I uh, look against Watford. And like that, he's been pretty good from his feet. But there's just... There's just a lot of goals that you think he should have done better for that one. Not his fault, but if you look at the best goalkeepers in the world, the Allisons, the Terstegans, the Oblaks of the world, um, they just make 
the saves that you should be making relentlessly. And Kepler hasn't done that for me, and hopefully he's improves, and that could be another way for the Chelsea defence to improve. And yeah, so that that's all I have to say about Kepler. Kepler picks himself in goals. I go Emerson and Reese James as the fullbacks. I really like them against Crystal Palace. Zoom and Tamori, keep that to the same. I've already spoken about how I'd use that three-man midfield of Kovacic, uh, Kante and Jorginho. And then the front three. Pulisic and William, as I said, I think they're our best two wingers. And Tammy Abraham. And just before I get into the last topic, which is of no real relevance uh, to anything else, uh, just I need to give a hats off to uh, Tammy Abraham, who scored against um, Crystal Palace. And I broke that down because at the start of his campaign, he's just so he did to get to, he's now equaled Mark Strasser's best ever campaign for Manchester United in the Premier League. Now that he has those, uh, he has got the, uh, the the tenth goal and he has two assists to it. At the start of the season, I said 15 to 20 goal contribution, 15 goals, say like two assists would be a very good first season. If he gets that now, I'd be bitterly disappointed. First 12 games, 10 goals, two assists. And I mean, he didn't start, um, he didn't start the second game. I believe we started Giroud in that game. So yeah, I just need to give, I just need to give a congratulations more than more than anything else to Tammy Abraham. He's been phenomenal at the start of his campaign, and I think Chelsea for the next ten years to have him as our number nine. It's mad to think that he'll be there for ten years, and that our front line would mount with Pulisic, with Hudson Odoi. It's all like like in three years they won't have hit their prime yet, and they'll have three years playing week in week out at one of the best teams in England. And the future is very bright for Chelsea, I believe. City and Liverpool, once they, I think they'll win the next, and at least the next two leagues between them. But I think Chelsea are going to be the ones who uh, break that back and forth, break that two-horse race. And yeah, so that that's all I have to say about uh, of the regular current stuff. But the last thing I want to end it on is Eden Hazard, because. Uh, I don't, not sure if I feel sorry for the man, but it just, it just must be, it just, it just feels sad for him. Eden Hazard was well on his way to becoming, in our, my opinion, the there's four main Chelsea legends. They, everyone would say are four biggest legends: John Terry and Frank Lampard, obviously, Zola from uh, the pre-Abramovich era, and Didier Drogba. Hazard was well on his way to becoming to becoming one of them, uh, the fifth. This summer, he moved to Real Madrid, obviously, and uh, it's just been a bit of a disaster for him. <laughs> I, mean, I don't mean to like, kick him while he's down, because he's one goal, one assist in La Liga so far. If you compare that to, well, any of the Chelsea wingers forwards, it's uh, worse, or maybe of any of the Chelsea wingers, it's worse. Uh, William has two goals, three assists. Hudson Doyle has three assists, and um, Pulisic obviously has five goals, two assists. So it's only in one goal, one assist, and uh, he's been teased about his weight. Champions League hasn't been great either, and like being overshadowed, he's like the second man to uh, Karim Benzema, and even at that, now uh, Rodrigo is becoming the big thing after that Champions League hat trick. So it, I just uh, think he's now going to be held up in the same light as Gary Cahill. 
and uh, to trade in at the worst possible end. and he's, he must just be seeing fails right now the fans have never been happier it's never been so good to support Chelsea and getting behind the team and he's just he's not on this current form he's never going to be viewed as a Real Madrid legend and um, he's never and he's not going to be viewed in the same way as a Chelsea player anymore in my opinion because of the manner in which he left us firstly not specifically how he left us but the way afterwards he came out to say that uh, Stuff like about how the Real Madrid fans care more and really try to embrace them, and uh, it just must be bad for him <laughs> to watch Chelsea uh, doing better without him because I think he'd have thought that uh, Chelsea without him this season would be a calamity, and it's just been a bit great <laughs> if I'm being honest. And uh, hope this stuff doesn't come back to bite me. I hope Hazard doesn't like go off like a rocket and Chelsea fall down the drain. But uh, yeah, it just must be worse for it. Just must be bad for Eden Hazard at the minute. And uh, yeah, I don't. I'm not particularly bitter. I don't. Uh, I'm not wishing him to like never score again for Real Madrid and have a disastrous season and uh, get booed like Gareth Bale. But um, I'm just calling it how it is. And this and it was just like um, I was watching a video today. And it was like uh, comparing Pulisic to. Uh, Hazard, but it, but the way it was presented was like the way he dribbled a little like some man we saw last year, and I was like racking my brain to find out the thing who it was, and obviously it was Hazard, and uh, it just shows how quickly Chelsea fans have moved on from that. So yeah, I just wanted to make that point out just to end it off. Also, I wanted a nice uh, a nice round number of five uh, different points to go through in this first podcast. As I said, please do uh, feel free to listen to it. And um, yeah, there will be more Blue is the Colour podcast coming out soon. Probably either every week or every second week. I'm not 100% sure right now. But uh, thank you very much for listening and goodbye.